The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on Chai FM, where we're always following the craziest new trends. And I must tell you, this year, you cannot open a web browser. You cannot turn on anything regarding tech without hearing about AI this and AI that and AI the next thing. The good news is that the use, the um, controversy, and the just general sort of craziness around AI is starting to settle down. Most of the big guys, not most, all of them are playing heavily in the field of AI. And again, just to reiterate, AI is not truly artificial intelligence. It's become a buzzword. It's thrown about at everyone's conversations, at any business meeting. You cannot start to even talk to an app designer about talking about AI, but all the big production platforms that help people create apps, every one of the big players, Google, Microsoft, you name it, all of them are talking about AI. And of course, ChatGPT or the LLMs, the large language models have sort of gone nuts. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Again, everyone's talking about that. And of course, people tend to focus on the negative. It's going to steal jobs. It's going to change the world. Well, I'm afraid, let's be honest, the world is always changing. Who would have thought Corona would stop the world for a while? Who would have thought a war in Ukraine? So the world is ever in flux. We're always seeing changes. We're always seeing things going on. But what is really key and interesting to to understand is where and how these technologies, all these changes are going to change the way you use your phone, the way you use your computer, the way you run your business, the way you pretty much do everything. And again, cast your mind back a few years, not even that many, before Google. Uh, what did we do for information? Who did we speak to? How did we find out things? Was advertising or the yellow pages the only way to find anything? So, the amount of convenience, ease, and shared information that has exploded over the last couple of decades has now culminated in a machine that is smart or apparently smart, not yet intelligent. There's no intelligence going on here. But it is so fast, so good, and has access to so much data or data, depends who you're talking to or who you're talking to, that all of a sudden you've got a situation where these magical machines seem to be smarter than you, quicker than you, cleverer than you, anything you could think of. But as I said, let's talk a little bit later. I've been following Google I.O., which is their sort of developer conference, and all their latest releases, some that are going to come immediately, change the way you use Maps, the way you use Outlook, the way you use, well, not Outlook, that's a Microsoft product, sorry, Google, the way you're going to use your Gmail and everything else. Although Outlook were their co-pilot, and they're very involved in OpenAI and ChatGPT, so that is all happening. So stay tuned in our sort of gadget or tech of the week after a lovely conversation with Mteto Nyati, who's the chairman of VSG, an author of Take a Chance on a Darky, and just generally a great guy in the technology space in South Africa. So stay tuned for that. That's coming at 11.20. But before we get there, some interesting news coming. And I mean, here we go. It's all about chat GPT. It's all about what's going on. Um, AI is coming to WhatsApp. You can download a ChatGPT plugin, which brings AI to WhatsApp. 
but we're not talking about that one so much. We'll, I've played with it. It's pretty cool. It's a little bit verbose for me in terms of what I do with WhatsApp. But this one is really cool that's coming to WhatsApp. I use Truecaller a lot. I found that of late, um, the amount of spam calls I get in a day is impossible. They are just so many and they just keep coming and they keep trying to speak to me and they keep trying to, um, get hold of me and it's crazy. And Truecaller does a wonderful job, even the free, the free, uh, version, but certainly the paid version does block a ton of of these calls and warns me what's going on. So you can always <laughs> not waste your time with all these sort of uh, spam calls that come through. But one thing that has been happening over the last couple of months, and it's really a big deal, is that I've been starting to get spam calls on WhatsApp. Makes sense, but it's not something I even considered. I always thought WhatsApp was a person-to-person product, which would allow me to speak to people I know. But WhatsApp is not the same as the good old BBM where you had to have a pin and link directly to a person and only that person could talk to you. WhatsApp, as long as you've got a number, you can use it. Create a, you can dial a number directly through WhatsApp. And unfortunately, the spammers have now figured this out and then we start to get calls on WhatsApp when they can't get hold of you on the normal phone number, which again is quite an interesting thing because a lot of people are using just data. They're not paying for mobile phone plans. So they set up an account, they've got very little airtime, but they've got lots of data. So watch this space. But Truecaller will very soon integrate its call identification service into WhatsApp. And I know it's in beta. I've tried the beta. It does work. A couple of weird things. But it should roll out globally towards the end of the month. So give it a couple more weeks, two, three more weeks, and we may see some really, really smart um spam protection through WhatsApp and hopefully with other uh, calls. But, you know, places, for example, like India have exploded with telemarketing, always just sheer volume there, and everyone's got a phone, everyone's got a bit of data, so it's coming big. But stay tuned. Keep If you use, um, if you are already using Truecaller, just keep updating and see what happens. And if you're not, check it out. You'll probably find that that's a great way to stay away from spam as much as you possibly can. Now, one other new, good bit of good news that happened in the last couple of weeks is that we have a new mobile network in South Africa, and that is RAIN. Now, I would... I have been and am a long-time user of the RAIN 5G internet service. I use it as a backup to my fiber. It works extremely well. Luckily, I'm very close to a tower. In the, in the early days, before load shedding became quite this crazy, they didn't have load shedding on their or sort of battery backup on their 5G towers, but they did on their 4G towers. So it, it worked pretty well. Um, that's improved dramatically. Most of their 5G towers have now got battery backup or generator backup, and they stay up and running during the dark hours of the day, which, unfortunately, I hate to mention this, are getting a little bit too numerous for us gadget-type guys because the amount of batteries I keep replacing in UPSs and backups and solar and whatnot, crazy, but you have to do what you have to do. But anyway, Rain has now launched a mobile 4G network with free data in minutes. And I've gone through it. I haven't tried it yet. I'm going to do that sometime soon. But it really, they've launched something called Rain One. And what it does, it combines the mobile and fixed wireless plans. So you can get an uncapped data plan, free monthly calls, data for two phones, two SIMs, 
and a fixed 5G connection for 559 or from 559 per month. There's a whole range of other products that are available in that space, but um, you should check it out if you if you already are a Rain user. This could be a great way to add two SIMs. You get two free gigs on each SIM per month. You get uh, 60 free minutes and 100 free SMSs. And you can, what they call, level them up for certain money. A little bit extra money gets you more gigs, more, from 2 gigs to 3 gigs to 4 gigs, all the way up to 7 gigs, 2 10 minutes, 100 SMSs. Um, and that's 75 rand a level, which is quite clever. So for 75 rand, you get an extra 2 gigs or an extra gig, which is quite cheap. Uh, in terms of the d- cost of data. And all of this is linked across the entire platform. The other good news that Rain mentioned is that they are going to be roaming on Vodacom's network for places where they did, they don't have coverage. Now, Rain has focused very strongly on the urban areas, generally most larger major centers like Joburg, Durban, Cape Town, Plum, places like that have got a Rain network. That's their network. It's a standalone 5G network with 4G backup which makes it really good. The thing that they didn't have was roaming. In other words, when you switch from network to network, if you're using even a WhatsApp call, you could probably drop that call. But now they've switched on proper handover, in other words, from tower to tower to tower. They roam automatically onto onto Vodacom's network. So they're now fully-fledged mobile network. And if you're a RAIN user, and even if you're not and you're looking for a comprehensive solution with data and pretty good data in, in most areas that I've tried the uh, RAIN unit, it's, it's, it sounds like a pretty good offering and the voice should be pretty good as well. As I said, more and more people are not using standard voice and, and by default use WhatsApp for their phone calls. So the dialer on a phone is being replaced very quickly by um, by the fact that you've got uh, 4G, 5G data. And on that note, we're going to take a break. We're coming back with an interview with Nteto Nyati. Should be really interesting. Stay tuned. We'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome to Tech Talk Cafe right here on High FM. As usual, we try to get some super interesting people. And one of the most interesting for a long time is Nteto Nyati, someone I've been talking to for many years, someone I've known for many years through many transitions through the technology business. He's now the executive chairman of BSG, but executive in the point to the point where you're actually very operational in the business in Teto. So welcome to the show. And give us a little bit of just a brief history for those that may not know where you came from and how you got to where you got. Can you give us a little insight into your path to where you are? Uh, thank you so much, Stephen. Look, uh, Stephen, my background, uh, I'm an engineer, a mechanical engineer. And and when I was, uh, I studied at Natal University, uh, it's now called UKZN. Uh, when I was there, I got a scholarship from Afrox. They sponsored me throughout my four years at, at university. That Con- created a connection between myself and Af- Afrox. So for fa- for seven years after completing my studies, I worked for Afrox, and and that I would say that shaped me uh, a lot in terms of uh, my approach to, to to work. And 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 it was here it was a, a company that was part of a global multinational of, of British Oxygen, 
and being exposed to to that culture much early, uh, focusing on things like quality and 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 you know whole drive around values that uh, shaped my my thinking around around uh, the world of work. Uh, spent a, a lot of time after leaving after leaving uh, Afrox at IBM. Spent twelve years at IBM, both here in South Africa and. Uh, Four years uh, in Europe and and about six months in the U.S. Uh, coming back from that, Stephen, I, I then led Microsoft here in South Africa as the CEO of Microsoft in South Africa. Uh, after six years of being in that role, uh, I moved on to MTN South Africa as the CEO, and the last five years. Or of my working career has been with Altron, doing the turnaround of that Altron business. So that's in a nutshell. That's what I've, I've been. That's my journey in this space. <laughs> quite a quite a challenging journey, and I mean, from large multinationals to large local companies. Mm. So many so many things have changed in the South African space. Now, recently, you purchased a share in um, in BSG, and what we're talking about today is that, quite interestingly, the world has changed. There seems to be many changes with the large multinationals. And you've recently acquired a very exciting team from Microsoft to join your journey at BSG. But maybe give us first a little insight into what BSG does and where it's positioned in the market and and who it works with. I think that's a, a key. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, BSG is a 26-year-old uh, company. Uh, it's got about 200 employees uh, at present. Uh, it's a company that does business and technology consulting. And where we are strongest, we're strongest in financial services. That's banking, insurance, and healthcare. That's where we are strong. So what we have dis- uh, differentiated ourselves uh, with is the ability to take strategy and implement that strategy. It's strategy execution. It's probably the thing that we are the weakest in South Africa, the ability to take a vision or a dream or or whatever and translate it into something that is practical, that is a reality. That's what we have done over the years as PSG, and that's what we'll continue to do. And and it is a need, a need that is out there. So when I was exposed to this company, I felt that uh, they are performing such an important function uh, in helping many of the enterprise clients of theirs to implement strategy. And, and I also felt that uh, many more sectors need to benefit out of PSG. So expanding into telcos and media, mining, oil and gas uh, is an area where we felt we needed to get into. Therein comes this uh, group of what we call digital advisors from Microsoft. And Microsoft decided that the beginning of this year that they don't want to compete with their to compete with their partners partners like Accenture like PwC like Deloitte in the consulting space they had people that were called digital advisors who these companies felt they were competing with them 
and they in order to to remove that friction between Microsoft and these partners of theirs, they decided to do away with this team. Uh, it's a team of about 400 to 450 globally, highly specialized individuals that sit uh, in within the customers. Uh, in South Africa, they, they were influencing the top 40 JSE listed companies where they, they are partnering, they are trusted advisors to these clients on anything to do with technology, information technology. So when I heard of this, I decided that uh, I must uh, uh, bid for these people and try and keep keep them as a team and, and attract them into BSG because we wanted to expand into new industries. We also wanted to provide advisory service to our existing clients, but at a much higher level, influencing at much higher levels uh, within these organizations. So that's why we decided to, unfortunately, I was not the only one. <laughs> that, uh, that, that saw this, this, uh, these people as uh, being valuable. And, and uh, uh, many global uh, consulting firms and local ones uh, competed with us. The good thing is that uh, we managed to get that team across into, into PSG, and we're happy about that. Well, I'm sure your history with Microsoft and understanding how Microsoft worked didn't hurt the, the discussions around this. But BSG has many other partners in the technology space. And Microsoft has been well known to try to control the entire technology stack of every organization they get involved in. How do you integrate such a, a single focus into a broader group that's looking at the stack of technologies that many companies work with, certainly large companies? You, you see, the, the beauty about this team, uh, it's a team that typically sits uh, with, the, with a customer. It could be a large bank. They would sit there and advise the bank and create a technology roadmap for the bank. But a technology roadmap that is not just Microsoft. It, it's a, it, 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 it looks at all available technologies and then create a map that says, hey, you need to do this and to do that. And of course, for this, you may want to use Microsoft or you can use Amazon uh, for that matter or Google Cloud. It doesn't, it's going to be up to you, but this is the roadmap that we have created for you, you know. Uh, but of course, they are, this team was uh, paid for by Microsoft. So there was always going to be saying, hey, yeah. yeah, please, please. They would think that the Microsoft is better. But now when they are sitting in BSG, uh, it's a different matter altogether. We are technology agnostic as a company. And, and this, this is what has separated us uh, in this market where we try, we, whatever we do, we give the customer uh, the best the best uh, decision uh, because we are not tied to any one uh, vendor. So in our environment, they will be free. And that is why they were actually excited to be coming into, into BSG because they may end going into other past into other uh, into other uh, companies they may be forced to do what they were doing at Microsoft to make Microsoft recommendations here they are making decisions that or recommendations that are the best for the customer you know 
because yeah. we're not aligned. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I would imagine that brings a much sort of clearer vision of how you can operate within these various customers. But the environment has changed considerably. Cloud has become a huge uh, area of, of interest, obviously, within the South African context. Certainly, the financial services companies have been slow to move to cloud. They much prefer having on-premise uh, data centers. But that whole transition, has that is that ongoing in your experience in South Africa? Is this something you see growth and excitement in? Uh, we have had the... Uh... Uh, scratch the surface when it comes to that opportunity. And, and many, many uh, companies have have either not moved to the cloud or they are still considering. Uh, what we have seen, though, is that financial services in South Africa have been the leaders in making that move into the cloud. Uh, if, uh, I can tell you almost all of them, all of the, the, the large uh, financial services companies have made a decision to go to the cloud. Uh, and many of them have decided to have a multi-vendor approach to cloud. So it's not just Microsoft, which is Azure or uh, Amazon Web Services, or Google, it's a combination of those uh, in this environment. And the fact that financial services companies in South Africa have made that decision to move to the cloud, it has unlocked the potential of the cloud in this country. Why? Because many, many companies look to financial services companies uh, with regards to the direction. Here are uh, companies that where security is paramount. Where things like, uh, you know, you need to protect uh, the data of the customer is absolutely critical. Data sovereignty makes a lot of sense. So if these companies are deciding to go to the cloud, uh, maybe us in manufacturing and healthcare, we can go to, to the cloud as well. So that's what we have seen. They've made this first step and it has created more opportunities for other companies to follow suit. However, what has been missing in many of the cloud journeys that we see today, Stephen, is that they are not based on on a return on investment. People are just going to the cloud. I think it's like they a can, trend. Yeah, it's just a it, trend. We need the cloud. Yeah, it's, you're not looking at it. Okay, let me not take what I used to have on-premise and just move it to the cloud. Because if I do that, it's going to cost me even more to go to the cloud. Let um, let me use the opportunity of moving to the cloud to transform how I am serving my customers, you know, change the applications that I've developed so that they can use the cloud environment better. And And if I do that, then I will drive down my cost and improve uh, the, the, resp- the, the responsiveness of the application and also improve customer satisfaction in the process. So many of the projects that you have seen up to now have not taken that approach. It has been lift and shift. So you know? simply operate not on your data yeah. center, but operate yeah. on some cloud data center somewhere yeah. else. And, and then you lose the opportunity 
to transform your business in terms of being more digital and you also lose opportunity to reduce your operational costs, you know. And this is where we come in as BSG to help them with the cloud economics, you know, to help them to put together uh, business cases of shifting and saying, if you do this thing, here are the business benefits that you are going to able to see and quantify those benefits for the clients, then help them to execute that transition. So we do that for them. And, and, and in many cases, uh, we, uh, we end up with a very, very uh, satisfied clients because the clients of our clients become satisfied. They seeing this new experience that they are getting from, from their side suppliers and much more responsive applications, you know. And so we are excited about this journey and just at the beginning of this journey uh, where we are right now, Stephen. So so despite the challenges that are manifest in South Africa, all of us know about the current environment. Do you still see potential growth and um, expansion into the more advanced technologies by the major corporations, even smaller companies, and certainly uh, government going forward, there must be some sort of indication of where this is all happening from your perspective. Yeah, from where we're sitting, uh, Stephen, uh, we it does not matter to us uh, because we are not in the in the commodity business or in the hardware. We're not selling hardware. We're not selling software. We are helping clients to leverage the cloud infrastructure that is out there. So. Whether the client is in, in a growth phase, because there are many, many companies in South Africa that are still growing and they, con- they will continue to grow. We are there with them to help them to drive their growth. But there are also many clients in South Africa that are struggling and they are looking at ways and means of reducing their operational costs. In that environment, still, we are still relevant because we come in and help them take out costs out of the, out of their operations. And most of that, of those costs are removed by moving into the cloud, but doing the transformation when you are moving to the cloud, not doing just the lift and shift. So, so a a much more cohesive look at the business operation platform systems and understanding how best to to digitalize them or use technology to improve the profitability or the cost base of a company. Absolutely. And you'll find that uh, in, in this environment where we talk about artificial intelligence, uh, we talk about business intelligence, going to the cloud can even help many of the clients to reduce their time to market. When you are taking a product and taking it to market, to reducing your time to market helps the company to get to a point where it gets returned quicker, right? So if you move to a cloud, most of the cloud environments, we're talking by uh, Azure, talking AWS, there are already embedded uh, systems in there that will you can connect into. You don't have to develop from scratch. That's where you end up. Reducing yeah, that's a very good point. There's so, many, there's so many resources already available yes. that you can utilize to yes. accelerate whatever you're doing. Exactly. It's like it's like you're going to an environment where there are already freeways 
the highways have been built, you know, just connecting into that and then voila, you already have all of these connections. You don't have to build them yourself. You know, that is what, that's what we all need, you know, an ability to take my idea and it becomes a reality quicker and, and I get a return or I get feedback, whether it's working or not working, then so that I can make the changes required for me to be able to to come up with products that that are of value to my customers so so that is the wonders the beauty of the cloud Stephen. <laughs> well put uh, i'm a big technology fan so that's it. that's really amazing but one of the other challenges that are we're running out of time as usual these conversations go so quickly but the challenge that we also have in south africa something that's ongoing is 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 the amount of resources, human resources, and in terms of training and education, how is that impacting your business currently? And how do you see that working out? Because these are advanced technologies. These are are not simple matters of fixing a PC. Where do you see that going? And I understand BSG is quite active in that space. Yes, yes, it is something that, that we are very, very focused on. And uh, we, one of our, we've chosen to, to have uh, areas where we impact society positively. And uh, one of those areas is youth employment. We've decided that uh, this is a space that we, we are going to continue to make investments in hiring young people. The beginning of this year, we hired about uh, 29 young people uh, into BSG. Almost every year, this is what we're going to be doing. We're probably going to be higher numbers as we go forward, as we grow the business. And, 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 and that is a big challenge. If you were to ask me, what is the one thing that is going to limit the growth of not just BSG, of many South African uh, companies? The thing that's going to limit that growth is the availability of digital skills uh, in our country. Uh, we've got such a huge shortage of those skills. And the few that we have, they end up moving around. And as they move around, they are trading is more higher, higher. They are costing even, even more. Hence, we need to sit and take a, a position as a country and say, we cannot be driving up this cost by just hiring people. We need to collectively target because such a huge unemployment rate in this country that's an that's an opportunity for us to train those people bring them into our organizations and and help uh, address the skills shortage that's another reason why it made a lot of sense for me to bring in these talented digital advisors from microsoft Collectively, they're bringing, all of these guys are bringing 250 years of, of, of experience into BSG. And, and, and now I can partner, I can bring in even more young people into our company that they can learn from these highly experienced guys. On average, they've got 20 to 25 years of service. And, and these are people that know what they are doing and they are at that point in their lives where they are happy to be guiding young people, coaching them and providing direction to these young people. And, and we need many companies to be doing something like that. And that's the only way for us to address it. It's not just to be uh, taking uh, resources from, from each other. 
That makes a lot of sense. And that certainly is a very positive note that we have to end this interview on. But good luck with your new venture. It's wonderful to integrate all these smart new people into your business. And I think it's going to be a very interesting journey for the next year. But certainly technology never stops. And it keeps developing. And with AI exploding at the moment, um, there's going to be a lot of change. So let's stay in touch and let's see if we can find out more as we move through this journey in the next uh, few years. Thanks so much for joining us. That was Mteto Nyati, the executive chairman of BSG. Um, you can look them up online at bsg.co.za. And um, if you're looking for assistance in the cloud journey or certainly technology change, I believe this could be an interesting conversation. So thanks so much for joining us on the show. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. And now, after that interesting conversation all about the cloud and how do you maximize your business, and that doesn't just apply to big corporates. I must tell you, every single one of us who runs their own little business needs to think about the cloud. In fact, you're probably using it with Gmail, with Office 365, doesn't matter what you do. But what is coming into all of that now is AI. And Google had its I.O. conference, its developer conference. There are a lot of them coming up over the next little while. There's a Microsoft one. There's the Apple developer conference coming up. And all of them bring much greater clarity to what AI is going to be, what it's going to do, and how it's going to integrate into the stuff that we do every day. And I think that is the most important thing because it's all well and good having these fantastic new programs and platforms and, and, and things that you can do. But I think it's more important that you understand how quickly and how effectively they're going to change what you do. So at the uh, keynote, there's so much going on. I could spend a full hour on this, but we don't have an hour. Um, Sindal Pichar, the, the new, um, well, not new, he's actually been there quite a few years, the new CEO of Google, gave us an insight into some of the new things that are coming. Now, one of the first things um, that generative AI or these LLM models allow is smart writing, tons of information out there, and they're bringing help me write into Gmail. So what will happen, you simply type something up and tell it, expand, make it sound better, or you tell it what you want to write, and it'll actually write your email. So, for example, you've got an email that your flight has been cancelled. The airline has sent a voucher, but what you really want is a refund. You could reply and say, help me write. And we watched the demo. <laughs> it did. It wrote a very nice little response. And you could even say after you've seen that response, you can modify it, obviously. But you can say expand on it because you feel you've got more chance if you give more information and it did just that. The same, interestingly, the same functionality was shown in Outlook through the Microsoft Copilot. But more and more, the generative AI platforms will assist us to write better, write more comprehensively, and really do cut down on lots and lots of tasks and um, a lot of other things that are going on. So watch that space. Your Gmail is going to get a lot smarter. The other thing that they're bringing using AI and all this technology in the back end is immersive view routes for maps. So what happens is they can take the technology from maps where it takes you from A to B. I mean, who doesn't use Google Maps or, or any form of um, sort of navigation software? Most of them tend to use Google Maps as a platform as the back end, like Waze, for example. 
But now, for example, say you're in New York City. I'm going to use the major cities for now. Johannesburg is not on their roadmap for the moment. And also riding bicycles in Joburg is not exactly the smartest thing. But let's say you're in New York City and you want to go for a bike bike ride. Maps has always given options for bike rides and, and, and the bike paths. But now you say you want to go to the waterfront. It'll take you on a visual immersive route showing the best way, the coolest way to see stuff rather than just get from point A to B. So that's coming to maps right now. It's starting to roll out now in 15 different countries and 15 different cities, including London, New York, Tokyo, San Francisco, and a lot of other major cities around the world. So if you happen to do a bike tour of Amsterdam or London, you'll probably find that this is an amazing new <clears throat> addition which gives visual actual 3D visual um, with little highlights to to Google. So to Google Maps. Also, there's a new magic editor coming into photos. I'm going to get into that in a few minutes. But ChatGPT and all these other AIs have been able to do incredible things with, with photos. Google right now can take a photo and search for information on the web with photos but they're taking it to the next level. So we're going to have a quick ad break, and I'll wrap up some of these cool new AI things coming from Google uh, straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And um, as I was saying, the new Magic Editor does some incredible stuff. I was looking at the demo, and there's always been what? Pictures was always one of the areas on, on your Google phone, on your iPhone, doesn't matter. It was a great place where you could search saying looking for dogs. So artificial intelligence or machine learning always allowed incredible search, smartish search within um, the, the photo experience. And the advanced Photoshop platforms always gave you the ability to pretty much recreate everything to do with a picture. But now they bring it straight into the Photos app in Android uh, and in Google, where, for example, what you can do is take, you take a really poor picture. The lighting's terrible. You've, you've left a strap on, a strap, um, bag on your shoulder and you don't want it there. You've, um, cut off your kids' balloons or some other thing. Now with this new magic editor, what you can do is simply tap on the person or the, the object you want to. Wait a second, it automatically highlights that, and you slide it across, it fills in the missing balloons, it moves the object you don't want out and fills in the background. You can move someone near a waterfall. Incredible, easy-to-use functionality. It, you can lighten the sky, and it will automatically change the lighting in the whole photograph because you've now got a sunny scene as opposed to a dark scene. So unbelievable amount of artificial intelligence or AI being built into a simple thing as optimizing your photos. And they mentioned that 1.5 billion photos get optimized through their platform right now, globally and every month. So it's only going to get more and more um, immersive and extensive. But the key message from Google over this period was they want AI to be more helpful to everybody. Uh, the original They've got a system called Bard, which will be their AI assistant. It's coming to Chrome right now. Um, you can replace ChatGPT with Bard at some point. Um, I've tried to use it. Unfortunately, my Chrome browser is still not enabled for that. I'm using a corporate browser, so it doesn't work too well. But 
Putting it simply, there are two major things with AI. One, it needs to be helpful. Two, it needs to integrate in everything that you do. And three, most importantly, it needs to be contextually relevant and not go off at a tangent. So what Google are focused on is genuine, and they've got the database of search, genuine results that are not made up, which can happen in ChatGPT. Sound, you know, the, the accredited information that they've got sounds really good, but doesn't exist even though it's smart. So improving knowledge and learning, deepening the understanding of what you want to do in the world, boost creativity and create things and assist in productivity, which is really important, and also enable developers and businesses to build products that are smarter, cut out the the grunge work of reformatting and manually managing spreadsheets, for example, writing smart letters or form letters quicker, easier. So, All these AI products are coming to Google, which is used by all of us every day in multitude of different ways. It's coming to Microsoft Office, which, again, is the de facto standard for most business, most uh, communication. And all of these platforms are not going to take your job away, but you're going to have to relearn how to use it just the same way as you had to relearn how to use search by putting in the right keywords, the right information, you've got better searches, quicker searches, more directly to the information. LLMs and all the AI assistants will need prompting, smart prompts, prompts which show your understanding, and then the results will help you do your job quicker, keep things clean, make sure that everything works. And I've unfortunately been told it's time to wrap up, but I cannot leave the show without a gadget. And one of the other things that was announced at I.O., was the new Pixel Fold. Google Pixel phones have, have been not been available in South Africa, unfortunately, but they have been pretty good across the world, and they bring great value and amazing technology. And they've just... Um, they have just released a foldable Pixel smartphone with a massive screen, taking the fight directly to Samsung. Apple, interestingly, not a peep about anything phone foldable. I've played with the the Samsung foldables, and they are really good if you spend a lot of time browsing, writing, answering emails, and when you flip them closed, the front screen doubles as a pretty competent phone. The only drawback simply has been a bit of a crease on the screen, a little bit of fragility in the overall use, which seems to have gone away the latest generation, but there's no question that IDC estimate the shipments of foldable phones will, will grow massively, and by 2027 will reach probably 50 close to 60 million units. So it's definitely something to look at if you're in that space and Google are taking the fight directly to the market leaders, which currently is Samsung. And on that note, I'm afraid our time is up. Um, Stay tuned. I'll try to bring you more information from Google I.O. and the others because there was so much going on there. And expect, expect even your browsing experience to transform over the next little while. Um, Skype, which I'm talking to you on, has got its own sort of smart smart assistant built in as well. So smart is coming to everything you do online, and it's certainly going to help us do more, do it smarter, and do it better. So that's my vision, not lose your jobs and take over the world. That's not going to happen. And on that note, this is Stephen Ambrose for High FM, for Tech Talk on High FM. Stay tuned and come back every week, same place, same time. Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk.